Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Everybody got quiet. I guess yeah. it's time to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we uh, we almost got done with this last time. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're just going to continue on with our uh, confession of faith. Um, we, we've only got two more, and then I also want to go over the our statement on marriage and gender and sexuality that we have as well, because I think that's important to to go through, especially these days and age, um, and all that's going on in Western society. Um, and I say Western society because that's mainly where all the upheavals going on. Um, well, considering these topics, yeah. Now, there are other parts of the world where it's happening, um, but not to the extent that I see it in the West. Um, yeah. But we'll get into that when we get to that point. Um, all right, so the last thing we did was civil government, right? Uh, we covered that, I'm pretty sure. We did. Yeah, and so we're going to move on to... So if you if you're if you have your confession, we're on point. What is that? Seventeen um, of the righteous and the wicked. Uh, and it says this. Uh, was there no one down there? Was no one down there? Okay, I think I just saw them come in and go down. So I think they're down there now. Oh, okay. Okay. Aliyah's down there. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, of the righteous and the wicked, it says we believe that there is a radical and essential difference between the righteous and the wicked that such only as through faith are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and sanctified by the Spirit of our God and truly righteous in his esteem, while all such as continue in impenitence and unbelief are in his sight wicked and under the curse, and this distinction holds among men both in and after death. And so basically what this is telling us is that there is a distinction that God holds holds between uh, those who are justified and those who are not. Does that make sense? Um, and so those who are believers and those who are unbelievers, basically. Um, and so believers, they are justified in God's eyes. Unbelievers are not justified in God's eyes. Believers are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Unbelievers are not sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Um, both before and after. Both before and after death. Yeah. I just read about Korah's rebellion. Korah's rebellion, yeah. Yeah. Moses and Aaron, 
Yeah, the earth opened. Yeah. Ate them all up. Yeah. Now yeah. Journaling, suspect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so there there are points in scripture where the reality of this truth is laid out in uh, graphic graphic ways, right? Um and, and so a lot of times in, in this life we don't see God's judgment to such an extent, uh, you know, and, and sometimes we do. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we, we live life, our lives, and a lot of times we see the wicked just go on living a fine and dandy life, right? Um, yet God's justice, it, you, you can't hide from it forever. Is being righteous something that you know, God assigns you know, uh, before birth and that you're always righteous in his eyes? Or is there a, a point in your life where you do accept Christ and something changes? Yeah, I would say there's there's a point in your life when you accept Christ and then God sees you as justified. Okay. Yeah. Just to make sure. Yeah. The righteousness he sees is through the blood of Christ, correct? Yeah, it's not a righteousness of our own. It's the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yet at the same time, he is sanctifying us as well. Um, and so he is making us righteous. Um, yeah. He doesn't leave us alone. No. Nope. Yeah. So any any other questions concerning the righteous and the wicked? It's a picture of Calvary, really. Two thieves. Yeah. Yeah, it's the it two thieves. Say, yeah, it didn't take yeah. anything for the Let's, let's move on to the next point. It says, of the world to come. And this is the last point in our, in our statement. Um, it says, we believe that the end of the world is approaching, that, the last day, that at the last day Christ will descend from heaven and raise the dead from the grave to final retribution, that a solemn separation will then take place, that the wicked will be a judge to endless punishment, and the righteous to endless joy, and that this judgment will fix forever the final state of men in heaven or hell on principles of righteousness. Um, and so, another, like all the others, another long run-on sentence <laughs> describes many things, uh, but, but it's talking about Christ's return, right? The, the day that Jesus will come back. Uh, and, 
And there's certain things that Christians, particularly today, but throughout history, they have disputed eschatology. You guys heard the term eschatology before? Uh, eschatology just means the study of last things. Um, and so, uh, but there's common agreement here, um, if that makes sense. Uh for those who claim, for those who are true Christians, they will believe what's written down here, um, that Christ is going to come back, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, that there will be judgment. Uh, for those who don't have faith in Christ, they will be cast into the lake of fire. They will be cast into hell. Um, and for those who believe in Christ, well, they will be in the kingdom of God, right? They will have that endless joy, like how, how they, they put endless joy there. Um, any thoughts or questions on this? I think of the sheep and the goats, how Christ mm -hmm. said that there will, be, there will be a separation between the sheep, yep. the sheep and the goat, and a goat will never become a sheep. And a sheep can never become a goat. That would be contrary to the natural order. Yeah. So if there's a goat, uh, that's like to an unbelieving unbeliever, and then the sheep would be obviously. So there's a separation. It uses the word solemn separation. Yeah, solemn separation. Yeah. Any other thoughts or questions? It's a given, isn't it? There's no, it's not arbitrary, it's a given. Yeah, it's a given. It's going to happen. It's reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of us live our lives not thinking it's going to happen. Any other thoughts or questions on this? Man, awful quiet. I bring up eschatology and nobody has any thoughts. That's, that's not common in the church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say, Lauren? I'm thinking eschatology and this very fact is... We're celebrating the Advent, the first coming, mm -hmm. and talking about the second coming, yeah. which is what the Advent, Adventage, so to speak, it ushered yeah. in yeah. the fact that there is another coming, another Advent, another... Yeah, and, and Advent season is about both comings. Mm -hmm. It's not just about the one. It's yeah. about both. Right. Um, I don't, joy to the world. Yeah. Right? That's, that's not a Christmas song. No. That, that's, that's an eschatology song. <laughs> it, when, when it says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Um, let, earth let earth receive its king. It's talking about the final coming. It's not talking about this, the first coming. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Advent season is 
you know, is we, we should be focusing on both. present gift all wrapped into eschatology. Yeah. You know, I mean, the end time is, yeah. has to do with the birth of Christ. Yeah. And when you think about it, if you, if you, if you step back and you take a point of view, like an, an say, uh, an Old Testament point of view, um, there were all these prophecies of the coming Messiah, right? And him bringing about his kingdom. Uh, yet the, many of these prophecies were misinterpreted. Uh, and so you get to the birth of Christ, uh, the, the advent of our king, and you get to the ministry of Jesus, and there's kind of a preconceived notion of what that should look like. Um, that wasn't accurate among the people. And Jesus had to correct that. Uh, and, and so we do see with the, with the first coming of Christ, we see many of those prophecies being fulfilled, um, but not all of them. Uh, there's still Old Testament prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled that will finally be, find their true fulfillment when Christ returns again. And so, uh, if you think of it as the advent of the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom, well, then it's it's kind of this process that's going on even as we speak. Um, and so it's yeah that that's how we should be viewing these things. Um, and so when we when we look at this this last section of this statement. Um, you know, in some ways, we're, we're, we're in the midst of it. Um, but. Even Christ talked about, well, at his birth, the, the shepherds were told, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Yeah. That was peace with God. Yeah. Had come. The ability to have peace with God, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. But Christ Himself said, "I didn't come to bring peace. Mm -hmm. I came to bring love." And He went on to describe what that would look like. Yeah. In homes, in in just reality and everyday living here, we are at odds with we who belong to Christ are at odds. He didn't come to bring that. Yeah. Peace. Yeah. And so, you know, salvation is is taking place each and every day mm -hmm. um, as God's kingdom spreads. Mm -hmm. And so the, the peace on earth will come as more and more people have peace with God. Because mm -hmm. when you have peace with God, well, then that's when you learn how to forgive one another and how to extend grace towards one another. Um, and peace with God wasn't even available. Until Christ. I mean, it, it was looked not forward to. Yeah. That he came to give us. Yeah. Well, I, I would say that there, there was peace with God that they could have, but it was a, a peering forward before Christ came. Exactly. 
Yeah. And now we can look back and find that peace. Any other thoughts or questions on this before we move to the, the other statement? Yeah. I would take an issue with their, their use of the word uh, retribution there, raise the dead mm -hmm. from the grave to find all retribution. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, if, if you're going into like fire, obviously that would be a final retribution, but if you're mm -hmm. going to heaven, uh, why would they say that we're being raised for retribution? Uh, well, it's everyone's getting raised. Yes. I don't know. The word yeah. retribution to me means, uh, I, I would think uh, they were you know, final judgments as opposed to, isn't retribution more of a punitive uh, term? It is. But that's, I, yeah. I yeah, so raise the dead from the grave to final retribution. Um, and so, yeah, retribution... But, but we do stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Um, and, and so whether we are saved or not, the, there is a judgment. It's just the question is, is that judgment paid for? 1 Corinthians 3 talks about, um, in a sense, the retribution, where it says that um, according to the grace of God given, Yeah. And then it says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only through as, but only as through fire. Mm -hmm. So that final white, that must be the white throne judgment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, typically when when I think of this, I think sometimes we have a negative view of justice instead of a positive view of justice. Um, and we should have both. Uh, and I don't mean negative, like, oh, justice is bad. I mean just both ends of what justice is. You know, some, some parts of justice, some forms of justice is uh, I was wronged, and now that gets righted. And that's, that's retribution as well. Um, and there's, well, there's a balance, right? There's an, yeah. there's an equal, if someone is being punished, someone else is feeling um, wrong. What's the word? Wrong. Well, no, they're not wrong, but, but they, they, they feel the justice yeah, is they, carried out. They feel yeah, carried out. yeah, so if, if you think about it, um, 
does anybody ever listen to like true crime podcasts? Sometimes they can be frustrating, right? Because there's no finalization to it. You know, usually there's these cold cases and it's like, we think it's this guy, but we don't know, right? Um, and so there's that kind of longing, you know, you want the justice to come, but you don't have the evidence, you don't have the case. And so here's this guy walking on the streets. We're pretty sure it's him, but we don't have a case against him. Um, but sometimes evidence finally does come forth and, um, a trial is brought forth, a man is convicted, and peace comes to the family of those who have been hurt, you know, those who have been suffering because of this man, um, when justice is finally served. And it's not a full peace, no, um, because we can only bring about human justice in this life. Uh, but there's going to come a day when Christ returns where there will be a final retribution and all the wrongs that have been done for us will be corrected and made fully right. Um, and there will be a true peace to, to that. Um, yeah. May, maybe add to that? Yeah. Um, just to help in hearing that whole run on come together maybe a little that statement that there's going to be a final retribution is a negative statement, but there's a, uh, there's, there's a, the bright point in that is that um, that solemn separation will then take place. Yeah. And that we're not a part of the retribution. So yeah. while that doesn't sound good and it isn't good, the wicked will be judged to endless punishment and the righteous to endless joy. Yeah. So it starts off like, because we are all would otherwise be under that retribution. And so that statement starts off in the right place and then I feel like it goes to its appropriate allocations after that. Yeah. If that... Here in the definition of retribution, it says the goal of retribution is to ensure that the punishment is commiserate to the offense and in line with the expectations for the expectation. So in that case, what you just said, there's an expectation of either future joy or not, uh, based on the retribution of God's determining what retribution is in our, in our case. Um, yeah. It's to ensure that it's commiserate. What were you what, did you read a definition? I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, I did. I read. What was it? Can you read it again? The goal of retribution is to ensure that the punishment is commiserate to the offense. So if there is no offense in the righteous, the retribution will be. It won't be retribution. No offense. Exactly. Yeah. It won't be retribution. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, another way to think of this. It, in the book of Revelation, when they're opening up the seven seals, so in Revelation 6, when the fifth seal is opened, we, we read something interesting. It says, so chapter 6, verse 9, it says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar 
the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. And so these are martyrs for the faith, right? Um, They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were given, each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. <clears throat> and so here you see kind of this, this crying out is like, we want justice. You know, you are our avenger. Will you avenge us? And the Lord says, be patient. It's coming. But I have more servants that, that need to be martyred first. Yeah, it does make sense, uh, you know, um, from a justice point of view, uh, if you've been persecuted for preaching uh, Jesus for following, for following, uh, you know, retribution uh, for things that were done to you, you know, for, mm-hmm. for spreading his name, for following his commands, yeah, that, that would yeah. kind of, you know, Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Any other questions or thoughts before we move on? All right. I'm glad you guys didn't have me talk about millennial views or things like that. (laughs) Yeah. You did. All right, so let's look at our statement on marriage, gender, and sexuality. Um, And I'm just going to read this through the whole thing. It's pretty long. Uh, And then then we can discuss it, okay? Uh, It says, We believe that God wonderfully and immutably creates each person as male or female. These two distinct complementary genders together reflect the image and nature of God, and that rejecting one's biological sex is a rejection of the image of God within that person. We believe that the term marriage has only one meaning, and that it is marriage sanctioned by God, which joins one man and one woman in a single exclusive union as delineated in Scripture. We believe that God intends sexual intimacy to only occur between a man and a woman who are married to each other. We believe that God has commanded that no intimate sexual activity be engaged in outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. We believe that any form of sexual immorality, including adultery, fornication, homosexual behavior, bisexual conduct, bestiality, incest, and use of pornography is sinful and offensive to God. Furthermore, we believe all people are created in God's image, designed by God as either male or female, the two being distinct in complementary sexes and genders, and that design cannot and that design cannot be altered on the basis of self-identification or medical procedure. We believe that in order to preserve the function and integrity of the church as the local body of Christ and to 
provide a biblical role model to the church members and the community, it is imperative that all persons employed by the church in any capacity or who serve as volunteers should abide by and agree to the statement on marriage, gender, and sexuality and conduct themselves accordingly. We believe that God offers redemption and restoration to all who confess and forsake their sin, seeking his mercy and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We believe the issue of gender, marriage, and sexuality are complex as they apply to individuals. There are such things as same-sex attraction and gender identity confusion because we exist in a fallen, sinful world in fallen bodies with desires warped by sin. Because every person is created in the image of God and is of inestimable, inestimable worth in God's eyes, the church will minister according to the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone in need of help in working through these issues towards living in and daily exercise of wholehearted faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that every person must be afforded compassion, love, kindness, respect, and dignity. Hateful and harassing behavior or attitudes directed toward any individual are to be repudiated and are not in accord with scripture nor the doctrines of the church. It's a mouthful, right? Um, well, yeah, it wasn't one run-on sentence, yes. There was periods there, and <laughs> paragraphs. And <laughs> um, but, but let's talk about this. Why, why do we even need a statement like this? Because sin exists. Because sin exists, yeah. Because we, but a hundred years ago, no church had a statement like this. Why do we need one today? Because men are doing more and more what they desire of their own accord rather than according to scripture. They're doing what is right in their own eyes more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And as Romans says, they're not only doing it, but they're encouraging others to do it with them. Yeah. It's, it's like an epidemic. Yeah. It, the proportion of it is. Plus the enemy, my opinion, knows his days are numbered and has stepped up dis disparaging and um, attempting to destroy the image of God in man. Yeah. And this is one major way to do that. Yeah. Because it destroys the family. It's one of the destroys the family, right? Sure does. They break down the family and sometimes they do whatever they were doing. It breeds confusion. Breeds confusion. What's going on definitely is division, confusion, animosity. Without it. There's tacit approval for what's happening. Yeah. We came yeah. to a church that made no statement on it, and we started to see things come in that were that needed that statement, and, mm -hmm. and so I'm grateful that we have it because it's needed in our culture. Yeah. Today. There's the bottom line right there. Why do we need it? It's demanded of us. Yeah, it is today, isn't it? It is. We have to take a stand, and we 
need to know what stand you are taking. Yeah. And why. Yep. Yeah. I like that it says like clearly what what is true in the Bible, what we believe, but then also says at the end that, you know, we'll treat all people with love and compassion mm-hmm. and help them. Yeah, and and the reason that's included is because, you know, we, we don't want to be Pharisees, right? We, we don't want to be uh, not extending love towards people, even sinful, sinful people. Um, because Christ's ministry was all about extending love towards the sinner. And we're all sinners. And we're all sinners, yeah. We may not sin in that way, but we all sin. We all need grace. Thessalonians 2, uh, 9 through 12, uh, came to mind for me. Um, it says, uh, you know, the coming of the lawless ones by the activity of Satan and all power and false signs and wonders, with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Um, Strong delusion for you know that mm-hmm. and those who um, uh, would uh, you know, are not strong in their faith, you know, refine the faith of those uh, of the church. Um, I don't know. That's no. I, I think you're right. There, there is definitely a strong delusion going on today. I yeah. also think Romans plays a huge role in in what's going on in that. This is what you want. This is what God's going to give you. Yeah. He has turned us over as a society in, in many ways to the depravity of our own heart. Yeah, Romans 1 um, speaks to this. Yeah, for the wrath, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie 
and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. I think that kind of says it all, doesn't it? Um, and you. Love your neighbor, that speak the truth in love. Yeah. So they're trying to use our own word against us, or his own word against us, and, and they haven't dug deep enough to. Well, what Satan wants to do is he wants to twist God's word. And so he'll, he wants to change the meaning of what God's word says. That was his ploy from the beginning, and he continues to do it today. And so that's why we see quote-unquote, churches today accepting of this lifestyle. Um, and unfortunately, in their acceptance, they also cast judgment upon those who are faithful to God's word. Um, yeah. I'm Yeah. You can say there is no God, but if you're unguarded, you let out the fact that I hate the fact that somebody tries to tell me that you do. Yeah, and that's just it. That's that's the root of it all is is a hatred for God, right? Um, really, all sin. That's what it comes down to. And when you think about it, this particular sin 
Um, what, what's, what it's really doing is it is not only expressing a hatred for God, but a, a hatred for how he made you. Um, and so I, I hate you so much, God, that I don't even like what you did here. Um, and that's why we see what we see today with the homosexual movement, with the transgender movement. Um, it's, it is honestly a, a hatred for God's creation. Uh, and it, it leads to death. It truly does. in creating things a certain way uh, you know as a as an individual not being able to say oh I don't like it that way you know I want to do it some other way you know? yeah you know, so rebellion against his authority yeah I, I like the fact that it addressed and I can't find it here but I remember you read it oh there are such things as same sex attraction and gender identity confusion because we exist in a fallen, sinful world and fallen bodies with desires being wasted. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that we recognize, like I've had people say to me, but you don't know, I live next door to that little boy, and from the time he was just a baby-ish, he displayed feminist tendencies kind of thing. How do you explain that, they would say, they say to me. Or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And the way I see it, from my own life, is sexual sin is sexual sin, according to yeah. what you just read. So, regardless if it's heterosexual, homosexual, whatever, the desire, if we are unmarried, we must suppress our tendency or our desire. Or suppressed was not exactly. We must be obedient to the command of God. Yeah, and and you could say that about anything, any type exactly. of sin. You know, I I've seen violent tendencies in this child since he was young. Yeah. Chronic liar. Yeah. Chronic liar. Yeah. You know, since he was a little boy, he was telling fibs. Um, you know. Exactly. And so, just because they've had this tendencies since they were young that doesn't make it right exactly you don't um, feed it you don't um, yeah con- you don't cond- condone it yeah and encourage it many of those people say I was born this way well yeah you were born a sinner yeah so yeah yeah there's tendencies in my life that I need to root out Yeah, no, I...
Any other thoughts or questions on this statement? Yeah. Yeah, in, in today's society, we need it. Um, we need to be upfront about it. Um, because not back down. Not back down. Uh, because this is a gospel issue. Mm-hmm. It, it truly is. Because um, if we cannot acknowledge what sin is, then what are we being saved from? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and so it's, it's a gospel issue, and that's, that's why I say the, the quote-unquote churches that, that preach acceptance, they're, they're not preaching the true gospel. Um, because they're, part of the gospel is confronting people with their sins. Yeah, well, I hope we would welcome them, um, but I hope we would bring the, the gospel to them as well. Um, you know, and call them to repentance. Call them to faith in Jesus. Any other thoughts or questions? All right, we're not going to get into this today, but um, I'm going to hand these out, and we'll start looking at this next week. Um, This is our church constitution. And so I want you to take these home, look it over. Uh, We're going to try to go through this hopefully within the next two weeks, (laughs) I'm hoping. Um, But I I also want you to keep in mind something as well. Right now, the elders and I, we are going through this, and we are revising this. And we're going to have a vote in January for a revision. And part of the reason we're doing this is because when New Hope Church was founded, what we did was we took a constitution from another church and just said, we're just going to use this. Um, and part of that might have been, well, that's the easy thing to do, right? Um, 
It's already been done. We'll just do this. The problem with that is this constitution was written for a church that's structured different than our church. Um, that's a larger church than our church. And so it doesn't really fit the mold of our church. And so that's why the elders and I have been going through it this past year um, and making revisions. And so keep that in mind as you're going through this. This is our constitution right now. We have not been following this constitution. Um, I, I'll just tell you that up front because there are certain uh, committees and positions that we have not even acknowledged in our church um, exist. Um, and so that, that's why we need a change. Um, that's why. And so, but for right now, this is our constitution. Uh, but in January, we're going to put it to a vote to the church. Um, to revise it, and there's going to be a it's going to be a pretty big revision, um, but we'll go through that, and hopefully, uh, I need to talk to, with the elders about this, but hopefully next week I'll have the revision to give out to you as well, so that you guys can look it over. Um, any other thoughts or questions before we close in prayer? All right, let's bow our heads. Uh, Father, we do thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, bringing us together. And we just ask that uh, as we uh, have gone through the, the statement of faith and what we believe, uh, Lord, that those things would sink into our heart, um, that we would know what we believe and why we believe it. Um, and Lord, that these truths would change us from within. Um, Lord, that you would conform us into the image of your Son through them. Uh, and Lord, we, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for communicating to us your truth uh, so that we can know things about you, that we can know things about ourselves, uh, that we can know things about salvation. Uh, and we praise you for that. And just be with us this rest of this morning as we continue to worship you this day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.